hello, hello. Welcome back to Lucifer's Lair, a podcast about death, the afterlife, and the beyond. Uh, thank you so much for being here. I am honestly, <laughs> I'm so overwhelmed how um, well the first episode went. I was shocked <laughs> to say the least how how many of y'all have actually uh you know listened to my story and and want to hear more so thank you so 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 much for all the overwhelming amount of support that I have gotten so far I I super appreciate it and I was thinking to myself as I was looking through um you know all of these uh views and and reviews that I was getting on the very first episode I was like I haven't even gotten into <laughs> what I want to talk about yet like in my opinion I think the first episode is probably going to be the most boring because that first episode was all about like setup and just like medical history um so now we're gonna start diving into the the deeper stuff that um I'm sure you're all just ready to hear um so today, uh, what we're going to talk about is um, death, uh, what happened when I died, um, what I saw when I died, what my version of the afterlife was, and also talking about death, the entity, maybe getting a little bit into like the possibility of like gods or other types of figures out there but I also might make that its own separate episode because that's so in-depth and there's so many different layers to it that we might just touch on it a bit today but not really fully get into that part of it. Um, I do want to also say before we begin, um, I know the last episode I talked about how keeping a schedule is hard for me but Based on the positive responses that I have gotten back already and um, how excited everybody seems to be, I, I've decided that I'm going to make this a consistent thing. I am going to make a consistent time um, to do this for y'all so y'all can have consistency, I can have consistency, and we can do this together. Um, so it's going to be live on Twitch at 11 a.m. MST um, on Wednesdays. So that is uh, Mountain Standard Time. I'm in Colorado. So 11 a.m. Colorado time on Wednesdays is when I will be going live on Twitch. And then it will hit Spotify either Wednesday during the day or Thursday. Because sometimes it takes a second for the... Um, programs to like fully load it into Spotify for Spotify to fully grab it. So uh, the Spotify one may not release until Thursday, but Thursday at the latest. Um, but yeah, I wanted I wanted to be consistent with it today. Um, if you're watching live, we're actually starting 30 minutes early because <laughs> I scheduled too much of my day today. So today's the day that it's going to be a little bit off. But like after this, I'm going to stay more consistent with it. I, I have a plan going forward. Um, that way we can keep doing this. I've also already talked with some people um, that have reached out to me personally who want to be on the podcast and share their story with their near-death experiences or their experiences with just the beyond or um, the, just death in general. Um, lots of lots of different stories. So I'm very excited. This is all just so overwhelming and so wonderful and I'm 
I'm just thank you thank you from the bottom of my heart I really appreciate it thank you okay so let's get into it today so today we're gonna talk about death so if you remember in my previous episode I talked about how um I died when I went under surgery. So again, to kind of set up the scene for everybody, um, I went under into surgery. I was under anesthesia. Um, We went into the surgery. The surgery went from an 8 to a 12-hour surgery because they had to find another valve because the first one didn't fit. Um, They went in. They replaced it. Uh, with the second valve that they found, rolled me into the recovery room. In the recovery room, I, this is where I died. They, in the recovery room, had to cut me back open and turn the recovery room into its own, like, mini, uh, surgery room, (laughs) basically. And, um, and do the surgery right then and there. So... This is that moment when I died. And that's what we're going to talk about today is what happened on my perspective when that all went down. So before getting into it, I'm going to also lay down that I was on obviously anesthesia during this. (laughs) I was also on many a painkiller. So if you are listening and you're a little bit skeptic of some of the things that I saw, it might, it might be all a drug hallucination. I don't know. Um, I'm just going to tell you what I saw, what was my perspective, what was my truth. And if you choose to believe it, that's, that's up to you. That's totally fine. But this was my experience, this is what I perceived, and this is what I saw. So when I talk about it, I am going to talk about it as if it is fact, because to me, it is. So like I mentioned in the previous episode, I wrote out a whole, uh, what I'm calling a grimoire uh, of everything that happened. So I'm going to be reading some of those paragraphs from that grimoire, which again, it's 10 pages. We're only getting into the tip of the iceberg of it today. Um, because there's many, many layers to what I saw, because after I died, I was put into a coma, and after this death, then I got, like, transferred mentally into this coma state, but I didn't know it at the time, so I don't know where the line is between actual death afterlife stuff, or a coma hallucinations, or maybe people in a coma, go to a completely different space that's different than, like, what we would call, like, limbo, like, death limbo. Um, There might be, like, an acoma limbo. And we're going to get into that in other episodes, the acoma stuff. Today, we're just going to be talking about death. So, let's get into it. Okay, so I'm going to just go ahead and read off uh, some of these paragraphs. And, yeah, here we go. Okay. (laughs) So in this podcast, I'm going to go into detail about my personal experience in the afterlife. This is all based on my reality and my perception. It's important to note that none of what I write may be real to you and only real to me. All of this could be in my own head and not what's actually in the beyond. However, I've discussed with a few people their experiences and we've all found similarities in our experiences. And that's why I've decided to start this podcast and talk with y'all. 
Take the information as you wish. You can choose to believe it or not believe it. In the end, this is all just my view and what, uh, um, what really we eventually will learn in this podcast is everyone will experience something different. These are just my facts based on what I saw and I remember. And that's something also with... Um, we all are going to experience something a little bit different, though a lot of afterlife and NDE experiences that I've heard have been very similar, like the one that I spoke about in the first episode when I was in the fifth grade, where it's that feeling of leaving your body and it's really light and you feel like you're floating and you feel like you're going up. Like, that's a very, very common thing that you hear in a lot of near-death experiences is that... Um, so some of these things are common and some of these things are not. And I think one thing that we should remember when it comes to anybody's life or death experiences is we're all going to experience things differently. When we all go to a party, we all experience different perspectives of that party. Some people are having a great time, and some people are having a terrible time, and some people are having, you know, just middle ground time or just kind of meh. Like, but we were all at that party together. We all experienced the same thing, but we all perceived it differently. And that's something that I think is really important to keep in mind throughout this entire series and this entire podcast is just because somebody said, this is what I saw and this is what I believe happened to me, doesn't mean that you will also experience that when it happens. So if any of these experiences and stories make you scared, don't worry about it. It may not happen to you. Or if it makes you happy... Uh, hopefully it's comforting, but keep in mind that you also might have a different experience. Everybody's experience is not going to be exactly the same, and we all perceive things differently. So, when I died and fully flatlined, I was still under my anesthesia. They didn't fully wake me up yet. I wasn't ready to be fully awake. I was still asleep. So it wasn't like I woke up out of my surgery, out of my anesthesia, and then died. No, I was still under. So when I went in, I did not know anything had happened yet until a week later. So when I died, I was under. That's when they rolled me into the recovery room. I was still under anesthesia, and then I remember... So... Now, switching to my perspective, I'm going to try to tap into what I remembered there was. I remember a light. And it's kind of like, you know, in movies, like, and I'm thinking specifically like Pixar movies, because they do very well of this, of when a character is like waking up and your POV perspective of their eyelid kind of like slowly opening and closing and then opening and closing and it's just kind of this blinding white light that you see um through this tunnel it was kind of like that but instead of you being perspective right where the eyelid is it was more down a tube so if you had your eye and you took say like a toilet paper roll and you put the toilet paper roll around your eye and you were blinking open it's like there was a light 
at the end of this tunnel. And as I started to open and awaken a little bit more, my eyes started to blink open a little bit more, that light in that tunnel became closer and closer and closer until I was looking into it. And then I was in this white room that was relatively big, but had almost nothing in it except for right in the middle there was this platform that had just kind of stairs going up to it and on this platform was this big a lot of this is so hard to explain so bear with me (laughs) on this kind of platform in the middle I was looking at it and I was pretty close to it I was like right there I was basically on the steps where this platform was leading up to I was right at the top of the steps looking at this scene um There was a bright light coming down from the very top of the ceiling. And the best way I can explain the light and what I think the light actually was in reality was if you've been in surgery, you know exactly what light I'm talking about. When you're in surgery and you look up, there's this big, giant, white donut light that they use in surgery. And it is huge. I want to say it's like five feet across like it's it's a giant light that they use that's this big uh, donut shape it was that type of lighting that was looking down in this room that was lighting up the entire room there was not a single shadow in this room every single corner was fully lit and it was fully white so I was standing on these steps and I was on this kind of like platform that was just one thing right up in the middle of the room. And I was looking at myself. And I'm going to I'm going to re- read what I wrote and then I'm going to explain it a little bit more. So what I wrote is I remember the moment I died and I believe I was in what you would call a limbo, but even that feels like the wrong word. I was suspended in the air in very basic clothes in a white room. I was wearing a maroon shirt, black jeans and black vans the shoes inside a ball made of giant human-sized needles holding me there I remember thinking wow I think I'm still in surgery I don't want to be awake for this I should go back to sleep and then I heard what I assume was the nurse's voice say it's okay you're going to be okay and then I fell back asleep I wasn't scared it was peaceful but I knew that I didn't want to stay there So let me back up and kind of go over that exactly. So what I mean by these human-sized needles is I'm not saying they were, like, as thick of a human. They They were, like, oh, if I could give perspective, think of probably the, the thickest point, like, like, round was probably about the size of a quarter where the thickest point of a needle would be, and then it would just kind of taper like a needle would to a fine point. But they were like five, six feet tall, and they were surrounding me in a ball shape, and the point was pointing towards me, and then the the larger side was on the outside of this ball. I'm I'm hoping (laughs) that I'm creating this visual that I have in my head for you. And it was 360, they were all pointing at me, but they weren't touching my body that was floating in this ball. They were just pointing at me. There was still, I want to say, 
about a foot, maybe less of space between me floating in this ball and these needles pointing at me. Now remember, the perspective that I had is I was looking at myself. And what was really weird to me was I, I, I knew I was looking at myself, but I wasn't, I wasn't dressed like I normally do. Um, it was a very basic, like, maroon shirt that was, like, kind of a t-shirt blouse that has those, like, swoop-down collars, um, and kind of like a high-low, uh, cut on the bottom where the back of it is a little bit longer than the front of it, and the way that I was laying, or, or floating, rather, was my chest was facing up towards the sky, but my head was just, like, limp. It was almost as if someone took, if, if, if I was, like, a puppet, let's say, and there were strings attached to me, I was being held up by, like, my shoulders and my hips were the strings, and then my legs and my arms and my head were all just, um, you know, allowing gravity to just fall back. And I, so my body and my chest was pointing up, but everything else was just laying limp and I was just floating there in that, um, position. But there was no strings, obviously. I was just floating in this needle ball. Um, and my thoughts at the time, because, you know, with the history of surgery, you hear a lot of stories. And a lot of people ask me like, oh, you know, I had a friend that was in a surgery and they had um, an out-of-body experience where they went out of their body and watched the surgery happen live and could tell the doctor everything that happened in the surgery. And I remember when I would read those stories, I'd be like, God, I really hope that doesn't happen to me. You know, I don't want to have any of these out-of-body experiences. I don't want to watch the surgery. I, I don't need to be there for that. I don't, I don't want to know. I don't need to know. Um, and I don't know why. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm scared of it. Maybe it would freak me out. I'm not entirely sure, but I know I didn't want to watch it. So when I was going through this, like, tunnel of light and appeared in this space looking at myself, the thought that I had was, oh, no, I'm going to have an out-of-body experience and watch my surgery. I don't want to do that right now. Um, I'm going to go back. Uh, I'm just going to go back to sleep. I don't want to be here for this. Like, thank you for the opportunity, <laughs> world. Um, but no thank you. Um, I'm going to go back. So when I started going back, that's when I met death the entity. Um, and I believe that this was the moment where in, in the reality world that they were probably massaging my heart at this time. Um, because everything just felt so good. Here, I'm going to scroll down to what I wrote about it. Let me see. Um, yeah, everything felt so good. That's, it, you know, when you die, you release DMT, 
which I don't know what DMT exactly stands for. I probably should have looked that up. But um, it is the chemical that releases when you die, and it creates a very, very, very euphoric, wonderful feeling. Um, it makes you feel good and safe. And I believe that DMT is released into you to get you to not panic when you die. It's a way for your body to be like, hey, it's all right. We're just dying. Let's not worry about it. That is the drug that will also kick in and start to take away all that pain like I experienced in my first death where it's just like, oh, all this pain went away. Even the smallest of like joint pains, even the littlest of muscle aches were gone. Um, that's what DMT does is it just completely and fully relaxes you and helps you transition. And I believe that DMT is death. And I think, like, death the entity. That's what we're going to get into. And this is when it starts to get a little complicated because there's death the <laughs> verb <laughs> and the action of dying. And then there's death the entity. But I'm not necessarily saying that death is a god. But death could very well be a god. So I'll read what I wrote and then we'll go into it. So death the entity. When I died, I met death. They have no gender. Gender isn't really a concept to most realities, timelines, and other worlds or even to quote-unquote gods. But I knew that they were femme or feminine. They didn't have a human figure. They more were an idea that looked like sentient black smoke. They love fruit and plants. They're super gay, and since gender isn't a thing, they're flirty with everyone. So what I mean by gay is that they're just a flirty person, no matter who you are. So you could also take that as, like, pansexual, bisexual, you know, however you want to identify it. That's how we in this world, in this reality, would explain it. But they don't use those words like we use. But that's the best way I can explain it on this platform to you is that they they act very flamboyant, very um, feminine, very flirty, very calm, very motherly, very caring, and very nice. Um, I wrote... DMT is released when you die. I believe that DMT is death. I believe that when DMT was released in my body, that's when I started to perceive death. And if death is a god or an entity or some sort of being beyond, that's kind of when they activate for us to see them or take us in. Um... DMT creates a safe space for you, therefore death is trying to take care of you and make you not afraid. Death is so caring and doesn't want you in pain. It shouldn't be death that we're afraid of. What we really should be afraid of is how we die. And I think that's the thing is a lot of people will talk to me and be like, you know, you've helped me not be afraid of death. And I'm like, I don't think any of us are ever really afraid of death. We're afraid of how we will die and when we will die. But death itself we shouldn't be afraid of because death itself is actually, one, it's a very natural experience. And 
when it finally happens, it is a good experience. It's how you get there that may not be the best experience. Death wants to help you and make the transition into, quote-unquote, the next easier. Death, to me, in, in my, my perception of things and how I've gathered the information, death is also life. Death takes you to the, quote-unquote, next, where you are reborn, but first into the afterlife. So, I said a lot of things. I basically brought up reincarnation and um, that there is an afterlife or if some people would perceive a heaven or maybe even a hell. Um, I'm not saying that <laughs> necessarily and I know it sounds very similar but it starts to get to a point where it goes into more theories based on my experience rather than fact. So I have a lot of theories on what could happen if I actually died. But I didn't. I got pulled back into our world, our life, and our reality. So in other episodes, I'm going to go over all of my different theories of like reincarnation and all that stuff. But I'm going to rewind just a little bit and bring it back to just the experience of death and dying and what I experienced there. <clears throat> so let me back up. Death the Entity. Um, this was something that when I talked about it on TikTok, uh, people were not very happy about what I had to say about death. They didn't understand it. They didn't fully get it. And I recognize that a lot of it is kind of already beyond a lot of the things that... We as a society, especially in America, haven't even fully grasped here that we as humans fully think that if there is something beyond us, it must be similar to us. And I don't think that's the case at all. I think that if there is even something like aliens, which we know is confirmed, the government recently confirmed it, but aliens are not going to look like us. Why would, if gods are real and if these entities beyond us are real, why would they look like us or act like us either? I think that's very uh, narcissistic of us to think that we are the example of what everything else looks like and we're the perfect example of how everything should work. That is not the case. Like with death, the death that I met, the death that I encountered, the entity that I encountered, was basically the best way to describe it, a cloud of smoke. It had no body, yet at the same time was feminine. And that might be hard to wrap your brain around, but it was just the vibe that I got. And they were very flirty the way that they talked to me. And they just, all they wanted to do was make me feel good and make me feel welcomed. But they had no gender. So maybe using the term gay or queer or whatever is inaccurate in this. But it's the best way that I can explain it to our reality. Because... In our reality, that's the words that we use to explain this type of behavior. But to them, that's not even a concept or a thought. They just are. They're just existing. 
they don't need to categorize themselves in the in these boxes. So when I say they have no gender, they they don't. They don't even perceive the idea of gender, the idea of sexuality. Nothing like that. They just are. So when I try to explain it to you, I'm not saying that they like told me they identified this way. <laughs> I'm just trying to explain it in the way that makes sense in our world and the way that we perceive things. So, they're this cloud of smoke, and they were very feminine in the way that they talked to me. And I don't remember a lot of our conversation, to be fully honest with you. I just remember the feeling, the feeling that I had around them. And... This is this moment where a lot of people talk about in their experiences with death that they had a choice to die or not and that they were given a choice by somebody or something. Some people even see um, loved ones and family members who have passed before them. They are the ones that come to them in this limbo middle ground moment and say like, it's your time or it's not your time or are you ready? And you can choose yes or no. And thinking about my experience, I don't think I was necessarily given a choice, but I made a choice. I looked at all of this, what I was in, and I know that I felt really good. And it felt so tempting to follow death and to take on death's offer, basically, of like, hey, come with me, like, I'll make you feel good, like, everything's gonna be okay. It was so intriguing, and it was so nice, and everything felt so wonderful, but I still was like, I need to go back. And I remember thinking that, if I need to go back, I, I shouldn't be here, this isn't my space, I don't belong here, I need to go back. Even though I wanted to stay, all I could think was that I needed to go back. So I don't think I was necessarily approached with, uh, do, do you want to die or not? <laughs> it was more of just, I just knew it wasn't my time yet. And so I chose to go back. I'll go down another page here. Let's see. So when I went back, that's when I went into the coma, which was a very, very, very different experience than the death experience. And it started off fun. It started off as a good time. And then the longer I was in it, the more it became a nightmare. And I'm going to talk about all of that in a different episode. I might dive a little bit into it today because um, the death part is really short. Like, that was it. It was just the ball of needles. I was floating in it. I heard that nurse's voice talking to me, saying everything's going to be okay. When I tried to leave, I ended up having this moment with death, the entity, and I decided to go back. And it was all so quick. And in the reality... Um, I was probably only in that state for a couple minutes. So it, it was very, very fast. 
um, that space. So I went into an a coma for, it wasn't quite a week. I want to say it was like four days. Let's see. Cause if I went into it on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, yeah, I was in it for about four days, the a coma. Um, and then I woke up. So what I want to talk about is a little bit of what I experienced after I woke up from the coma. And in, an, in other episodes, I'm going to go deeper into what I saw in my coma. But after I woke up and was finally awake, I realized that there was a lot of things that changed about me. And I think what changed was death, dying, um, me and a friend call it, like, having a good death download. (laughs) When you get that death download, it changes you. You feel different when you wake up. And some people make big life decisions afterwards. Um, or some people just act different, or they realize what they truly want in life. Or maybe even what they're meant to do, because some people do get, like, messages when they die of, like, what you should uh, be doing with your life. Um, I didn't get anything like that, but I definitely changed. So the first thing was when I was finally released from the hospital and I was driving home, given, again, I just want to keep everybody in mind that, yes, I was on painkillers throughout all of this. So what I experienced in the aftermath could just be from the drugs too. But I really think it was more than that. I just, it just feels different. And especially being somebody who's been through so many surgeries, it's a, this one was different. This one felt different afterwards. So one of the things that changed when I woke up is I could see the color green a lot better than when I, than when before I went under. Before, green was never really my favorite color. It was, in fact, my least favorite color. I wasn't a big fan of it. Um, I didn't mind it. I didn't be like, I hate green. But I was just like, eh, it's just not, not my favorite color. When I came out of surgery, I remember driving home and looking at the trees and being like, wow green is so beautiful. It's so gorgeous. Um, it didn't make sense that I never saw green so beautiful before. And it's because death, when I met them and got to know them, I learned that death, the entity, is in all living things, especially plants and fruits and vegetables. They are within that because, like I said, death is life. Death and life, if there is gods or entities out there, they're the same being. And they expand themselves along all of these different things. And maybe they're not necessarily a being in the way that we think it, but they're definitely a part of this world, just like the way that dirt is all across, you know, our planet. We pick it up and we see it. It may not be sentient, but it's there. And death or life or whatever this is, is something that's connecting 
through all living things. And I don't necessarily believe that it's a god. It could just be something that our eyes can't perceive, and maybe it's just certain molecular structures that are all connected throughout. I don't know. But it's there, and you can feel it in living things. And you can feel it when it leaves living things. Or when you're, when you pick a flower and it dies, the flower feels different. I'm not talking texture. I'm just talking vibe. <laughs> and maybe, maybe I'm not making any sense. But for example, like I've, I've put my cat down, a cat that I had before, <laughs> not the current one, obviously. <laughs> um, I've put a cat down and I remember being there and petting her. And when they put her down, there was a moment where I could just tell that she wasn't there anymore. And I looked at her and I was like, that's not my cat. I don't know who that is anymore. Even though that was the body she was in, it wasn't her anymore. And that's what I'm talking about. This like entity or, or if you want to call it a soul, if you want to call, I don't know, the force from Star Wars is honestly... <laughs> The easiest way to explain what I mean, which I know sounds so ridiculous, but it's like, it's something that is flowing through every living thing and through everything that's dying. Like, I, when I saw that scene <laughs> in Last Jedi, where Luke is explaining to Rey the Force, and there's that moment of, like, it's... It's happiness, it's anger, it's life, it's death who brings in new life. Like, that is exactly the best way to explain what I experienced. And maybe it's because I'm a Star Wars fan that when I died, my brain created this scenario of the Force is real. And now I... <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so silly and I recognize that but it's like my brain was like yeah this is something you're really into let's let's make it a hard reality for you that now like it really is the best way that I can explain this feeling that plants and our bodies and even the dirt and animals and just all everything on this planet is connected through this energy, this currency, this deity, this being, this death, character, figure, however you want to explain it. But it's invisible to our eye. It's just a feeling. Like when I felt my cat's life leave, it's that. So let me rewind a bit. Death when I met them, they talked a lot about plants. They really love plants and trees. They love trees. They were very into trees and very into fruits specifically, vegetables as well. But their favorite was fruit. So when I died and then had my coma and came back and was back in the world again, I saw the color green better, but also all I craved was fruit for like two whole months. 
to a point where my mom had watermelons just on hand. She had at least five watermelons at a time always just ready to go because all I ever wanted was to eat watermelon specifically. Um, and it's because death was telling me on how wonderful fruit is. And it, it was all I could think about that when I came to, it's all I wanted to do. And it was the best way that I felt kind of attached to my experience. And it was very comforting to eat fruit and to drink water, cold water. And that's all I wanted when I woke up was watermelon and water. And it's all I ate for like a week. And I remember I went to have dinner with my partner and they're like, oh, you know, what do you want to eat? And I was like, I just want a bowl of fruit. And that's literally fruit was all I ate for like two whole months. <laughs> it was, it was wild. Um, another thing that happened, and this has since gone away, but I'm going to read what I wrote because this is what I wrote post-surgery. Um, since coming back, my taste buds have changed and probably for the better. Pre-surgery slash death, I drank three to five sodas a day and didn't drink much water. I loved greasy foods and often craved cheese. Though pre-death me was working on becoming vegan over time, I still allowed myself cheese from time to time. Now, post-surgery slash death, I hate soda. I can't stomach it and it hurts to drink. Physically hurts to drink. The, the bubbles would like... When they went down my throat, I don't know how to explain it, but it just, it hurt to drink it. Um, I crave water constantly along with raw fruits and vegetables. Cheese has now made me physically sick and greasy food has become repulsive. Now, I will say I've reached a point, it's been uh, over a year now since the actual death, that I now have soda and I, I've had cheese and I've had greasy foods and it's fine now, but it's definitely different. And I eat it way less. And I went, I did, I'll be real with y'all. I went back through another soda addiction because I just have a really bad soda addiction. Um, I did go back through another soda addiction post-surgery, but now I'm back on not doing that because soda... When, when I was drinking it constantly in the last couple months, um, I started to notice that um, it made me feel sick all the time. And it was a very light stomach sick, but it made me feel sick that I really think since death, I don't stomach a lot of these things as well as I did before. Part of it, it could be like, oh, I think it's because of death and because of um, this experience that I had with death, the entity, but really, if we want to think in reality and logically, <laughs> um, when you die, the first thing to shut down is your intestines and, and your stomach system. And also something to add is post-surgery when I was waking up, um, uh, so when in surgery, they set you up with a feeding tube that goes down your nose, down the back of your throat, and um, they feed you that way. 
Well, when I was waking up from my coma, um, I wasn't fully awake and the nurse was looking in the wrong direction at the time that I guess my hand went up to my nose and went, that doesn't feel right. Cause I breathed through my nose. So I'm sure I was like having trouble breathing. I felt this feeding tube and I, I pulled it out of my nose, um, before I was fully conscious. And so for like the three days, oh, if not longer, but at least the three days after I was waking up, I couldn't eat because my throat didn't work yet. I couldn't fully swallow. Drinking water was one of the most difficult tasks in the world. And you don't realize because it's such a day-to-day thing that we do. But being able to swallow your saliva or drink water or even take pills, the act of taking pills is so complex (laughs) when you think about it. And then we also breathe through this similar tube. So having to kind of switch over my throat to, okay, we're not breathing anymore. We're going to close that section of my throat so I can drink water now or so I could take a pill or so I can have some applesauce was so incredibly difficult that I, they couldn't put the feeding tube back in. I already pulled it out and I was awake. So they're like, well, we can't do much that Basically, for a few days after surgery, I was starving. Um, So my stomach extra wasn't working. And I think that definitely played into why post-surgery I craved a lot of raw fruits, raw vegetables, and just water. Because I just needed to get my stomach back on the same page and working again. And when I did you know, was recovering and started going back to my unhealthy ways of greasy foods and soda, my body is not processing it the way that it used to. And I think a lot of it has to do with the physicalities of what happened of, you know, me pulling out my feeding tube and me basically starving for a little less than a week. Um, I was eating applesauce and stuff, like, I wasn't, like, completely famished, but there wasn't much that they could do until I could learn how to swallow correctly. Um, so because of that, I think it's really changed the way my body takes in foods, but I just remember also how connected death, the entity, was to these things, and it brought me back to before surgery, it was like a couple years before this May 2020 surgery. I want to say it was in 2018. Um, I had a shroom trip where I was very obsessed with fruit as well. And in this shroom trip, again, this was 2018. This was before any of this happened. In this shroom trip, I remember thinking that, um, I am one of death's, uh, people, (laughs) um, that I wrote an entire song about it. Um, it's called The Third. Um, my band's called Rotten Reputation. So I wrote a song called The Third that is about, um, my experience with death. And you know what? Let me see if I can get Spotify pulled up here and I'll, I'll play it at the end. But, um, 
I'll continue talking about it. So in this shroom trip, I remember being very obsessed with strawberries at the time. I could only eat fruit. And this is something I've noticed just when I trip in general, where I can only eat really like fruits and vegetables. But in this trip specifically, let me pull up Spotify. In this trip specifically, um, I was very obsessed with strawberries and I would watch these strawberries that I had a bowl of them. And I would watch these strawberries completely mold, like die, be just rotten, and then reverse and come back to life and be fully ripened and, and ready to eat. That I remember a friend who was our uh, trip guide, who was our sober one there, um, he would go and reach for a strawberry and I'd be like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. And he goes, okay. And I'm like, give it a second. And I would watch them mold and die and then reverse and come back. And when they were back to their fully ripened state, I'll be like, okay, now you can eat one. And that's the only time that I would eat one too, is when they were back to being fully ripened. And I remember being so obsessed with fruits in this state and with death, um, in this state as well. And that shroom experience and this death experience feels so similar to me. So really quick, I'm going to play you this song <laughs> by my band. This is the third by Rotten Reputation. And I'll talk a little bit about it. And yeah, hold on.
So yeah, that's that song. And this is a song that I wrote back in 2018, and we didn't release it until 2019. And it was talking about mainly that tripping experience. But what was so interesting about that is in the lyrics, it says, um, I turned fresh fruit into instant poison, feeling like I'm a part of death's revolution. And I felt very connected and close to death even in that time, and it was an entity. I still feel like that's the wrong word to be using, but it was like an entity I already felt really close with. So when I did physically die, that shroom trip that I had felt like I've already talked to this person, or not person, but entity already before. And then in the song, we talk about we're all a part of the third. So that brings me into the next part of a lot of my theories, which I'll probably go into this further in another episode. But in when I died, I got to see, like, these layers to the world. I'm going to read what I wrote about it. Um... So what I wrote was, there's many layers to our world, <laughs> and not to make a Shrek reference, but much like an onion or rings on thousand-year-old trees. Here are some of the layers that I experienced and the best way that I can explain them. Even though those are explanations may not be quite right, they're very hard to explain. And then I kind of go into the layers. So the layers, basically, is there's, there's so many layers of reality. And when I died, that's what I realized, is that our world, our reality, is so incredibly fragile that things like ghosts or paranormal experiences, maybe they are what we think is, uh, is people that have passed and have not, you know, left this world. But I think that when we see ghosts or have paranormal activities, it's because the layers of reality are kind of meshing into each other. That, like, if there's one timeline that we're on, it's, it's our timeline, the timeline that we know, there's another timeline that's basically parallel to ours that's so close that sometimes they touch each other and cross paths. And there's so many different timelines and layers and realities that are all happening at once we just happen to be a part of this one and I fully believe that we can rolodex basically and shuffle through these different realities and jump into these other layers if we take the time to work on it and we can tap into these areas and that's why some psychedelic drugs like make us possibly see things because maybe we're seeing into those other realities and those other layers of the world. Now, I've probably lost some of you here. <laughs> some of you are probably like, all right, this has got a little bit too far for me. This is getting a little bit out of hand. Like I said, this is a 10-page long document that I wrote. And there's a reason I'm doing a full podcast so I can fully go into each of these theories and experiences and you know what some of them may sound a little left field 
And some of these, like, well, rather most of them, I'm also, like, skeptical about. I also am like, well, I did experience this, and I did live through this, but I don't even know if I fully think it's true either. Because, again, I recognize that I was on hospital-grade drugs <laughs> and painkillers when I was in my coma. I was on morphine, oxycodone, fentanyl, and probably a few other things, but those are like the main ones. So I recognize that a lot of the stuff that I experience may just be a trip, but at the same time, what are, what is tripping? Are we actually experiencing other things beyond our perception. So think about it this way. We as humans have three color cones in our eyes. You know, it's it we have the three primary colors that we see which make up the full rainbow that we perceive of all of those colors. But shrimp on the other hand have what? I think it's like 12 or 13 color cones in their eyes. What are they seeing? What are they perceiving? I know a lot of it could be like, um, you know, heat, uh, vision or whatever, however you want to call it. Um, it could be that kind of stuff that, you know, people, that, um, creatures in the water need to experience to survive. But that's 13 cones. There's so much more that our eyes are not seeing and not perceiving that have to be there. Or just exist and we just don't know it. We don't see it. So it brings me to another experience that I had in the hospital about death. Um, and then I'll leave y'all there and we'll, we'll go into the rest of um, the coma visions that I had. But I want to talk a little bit about um, if you're a witch you know about the veil. The veil is something that witches talk about a lot. Um, if you don't know what the veil is, basically the best way to explain it is it's the thin layer between the living and the dead is the easiest way to explain it. Um, so here's what I wrote, and then I'm, I'm going to go back over it. A lot of witches know about the veil. It's that thin fabric between reality and death. When I was slowly waking up, I would see other people in my room. Some nurses, some kids, and some parents. I believe that I was seeing, possibly, dead people. They're just hanging out in that space that they shared with us. They didn't really interact with me, but just hung out in the room as if it was theirs and as if we weren't even there. It was very chill. They made me feel less lonely. I actually really liked having them there. Um, a good media example of this is it comes very close to how Klaus's power is in Umbrella Academy, where there's just dead people living about their life, and he just happens to see them. And I, just like, I just happen to see these people in my hospital room with me. I believe that these quote-unquote ghosts I saw... Um, may not be able to see us all the time, just like we may not be able to always see them. Um, but some of them 
might perceive us and go around us and work around us and do their business around us knowing that we can't perceive them. And that brings into like paranormal activity where some quote-unquote ghosts mess with people. And maybe there's some of these ghosts that do perceive us and have, have tapped into being able to see us. And there's some that haven't. Or a whole other theory that I have is there's ghosts of what we think of as ghosts where they're, you know, living amongst us and maybe messing with us or maybe just living out their lives, but they just don't want to leave here. Or when we see what we would consider ghosts, they're actually another layer of reality that we're very close to that just happens to be touching our layer of reality at the time that we can perceive it. So for example, when I was waking up and I I did see this uh, family in there with me, time was passing just like time was passing for me. And they were acting as if they were also in this hospital room all alone um, taking care of their child. So I was in a pediatric unit. So I was in the child's unit. Even though I am an adult, I was in the child's unit. Um, and it was during COVID where we weren't allowed visitors except for our parents. And then I was allowed one person, which was my partner, um, to come and visit me. And since it was during COVID, no one's allowed to bring you anything. So you weren't allowed flowers. You weren't allowed decorations. Any Everything in the room had to be completely, fully sanitized. So my room was completely blank. There was nothing in it. There was nothing for me to look at. It was a very depressing scene. Nobody was allowed to bring in flowers, nothing. But when I would see this other family that was in my room, there were decorations up on the walls. There was like get better soon balloons. There were flowers on the table. And it was a family just sitting there and their child, I want to say around the age of five, was sitting on the bed with me as if I wasn't there. Like, laying on the bed exactly where I was. Like, I guess going through me, if you want to think about it. But even then, they were just... It's as if I wasn't even there. They were acting like it was just their own room in their own space. And I saw them there with me. I couldn't interact with them, though. I couldn't talk to them. And I don't know if that was a dead person... And I was experiencing their experience in the hospital before maybe they passed. Or if that was just another layer of reality I was experiencing at the time. Um, but I remember this boy so clearly. And he would just sit on the bed and he would, he would color and read a book. Um, there didn't seem to be much technology. Um, like a TV or a phone or anything like that. It was more like coloring books or little activities like that that he would do but yeah so that's my main experience with death and that is my NDE experience and when I woke up but there's so much that happened after I died and before I woke up from my coma that we're also going to go into and so Next episode, we're going to go into the different layers of Mayakoma 
uh, to give you a little bit of a teaser, um, some of them were house parties where I believe that I hung out with other people in a coma. Um, and some of them were nightmares. There was a whole section of a place that I think we could all tap into our dreams through lucid dreaming. Um, so we'll go into that in a completely different episode. But yeah, thank you so much for tuning in in today's episode about death and my near-death experience. I'm sorry if it was a little all over the place. It is very difficult to explain. Um, I hope you're still down and with me for this ride, and I will see y'all next time. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>